And good evening. Welcome to another exciting broadcast of Sunshine USA here on Anchor FM and Spotify and some of the other platforms that we do Sunshine USA on. This is uh, Warren Landis, your host and Bible teacher here on Sunshine USA. And uh, many of you know we're currently uh, doing a Bible study through the book of Acts. And uh, we're actually entering definitely the home stretch of Acts. Um, I suppose if we did a, a, a speed run through the rest of Acts, we would finish uh, Acts tonight. But I seriously doubt that we will finish Acts tonight. Uh, we will probably need at least two more broadcasts or maybe three or four more broadcasts before um, we finish the book of Acts. Because these last two chapters are so full of action that need to be explained and, uh, and so full of biblical concepts that we don't want to miss anything. And so we are going to uh, basically take as much time as we need for these last two chapters of Acts. And uh, so I want you to get out your Bibles tonight and turn in your Bibles too. Uh, Acts chapter 27 I believe that's where we're at tonight Acts chapter 27 and like I say this is the next to last chapter of um, Acts I want to turn your attention to Acts chapter 26 for a moment um as we uh, take a look at the last episode and um, we find that the last verse of Acts chapter 26 is kind of amazing it says and Agrippa said to Festus, this man could have been released if he had not appealed to Caesar. Now, bearing in mind, Paul is appealing his charges to Caesar because of the fact that he is a Roman citizen. It's also important to note that he's appealing to Caesar because he certainly doesn't want to be tried by the Jews who would almost certainly kill him. Um, so he is exercising his rights as a citizen of Rome. But in this particular case, had he not appealed to Caesar, he would have avoided having to go to Rome as a prisoner and he uh, would have avoided Jewish persecution as well. Because as the governor himself reasoned, this man has done nothing worthy of death or imprisonment. He could have been a free man. But there again, Paul saw an opportunity to go to Rome. Maybe he felt like he couldn't go to Rome any other way, so he might as well go there as a prisoner, right? <laughs> Amen. Let the taxpayers pick up the tab. Well, in Romans chapter 27, or Acts chapter 27, rather, uh, it says, When it was decided that we would sail for Italy, Paul and some other prisoners were handed over to a centurion named Julius who belonged uh, to the Imperial Regiment. 
In other words, this guy, Julius, was from a regiment of centurions that apparently worked directly for uh, Caesar in Rome. And it says, We boarded the Aramedan ship about to sail for ports along the coast of Asia, and we put out to sea. Aristarchus, a Macedonian from Thessalonica, was with us. The next day we landed at Sidon, and Judas, Julius rather treated Paul with consideration, allowing him to visit with his friends and receive care. And so this lets us know that Paul's chief jailer was actually a very considerate man. He was not harsh. He was not unreasonable. And he allows uh, Paul to visit his friends in this area and let them take care of any needs that he has. Now bearing in mind at this point, Paul has been stripped of any money that he has. And so anything that is spent is going to have to be other people's money. Amen. <laughs> but he says, uh, After putting out from there, we sailed to the lee of Cyprus because the winds were against us. And when we sailed across the open sea off the coast of Cilicia and Pamphylia, we came to Myra, in Lycia, and there the centurion found an Alexandrian ship sailing for Italy and put us on board that ship. After sailing slowly for many days, we arrived off Snidus. The wind impeded us, and we sailed to the lee of Crete opposite Salomon. And after we had moved along the coast with difficulty, we came to a place called Fair Havens near the town of Lycia. By now much time had passed and the voyage had already become dangerous because it was after the fast. So Paul advised that men, I see that our voyage will be filled with disaster and great loss, not only to the ship and cargo, but to our own lives as well. Now, <laughs> Paul was actually given very friendly, helpful advice to um, these fine people <laughs> but they were ignoring him you see Paul knew the seas pretty well and he knew that apparently they were entering into a season of the year where the weather became more and more unpredictable more and more stormy and less suitable for sailing in fact there were certain types of voyages that many um, uh, sailors in those days just didn't make at certain times of the year. But contrary to Paul's advice, the centurion was persuaded by the pilot and by the owner of the ship. Since the harbor was unsuitable to winter and the majority decided to sail on if they could reach Phoenix to winter there. Phoenix was a harbor in Crete facing both southwest and uh, northwest. Um, so they had to look for a place where they could more or less pause for the winter. The winter was definitely coming. And from what I understand in that part of the world, that's a time of the year you don't want to be sailing, 
especially with the technology that they had available to them in that day. It was generally considered just way entirely too dangerous. And then we talk about the storm at sea. When a gentle south wind began to blow, they thought that they had their opportunity, so they weighed anchor and sailed along, hugging the coast of Crete. It was not long before a cyclone called the Nor'easter swept down across the island. Unable to head into the wind, the ship was caught up, so we gave way and let ourselves be driven along. Now, we are told that this type of weather system that they had sailed into was akin to what we would call a hurricane today, at least a hurricane in this part of the world. It was a very dangerous storm, and I've got a note in my Bible that indicates this was the same type of weather system that caused trouble for Jonah and the ship that he was on, and that's when they had to toss him overboard in order to get things to calm down. It's also where we find that Jonah was swallowed by the great fish. Now, like I say, Paul was a very definite outdoors kind of guy. I mean, he knew um, this part of the world very well and very much. And uh, he knew that uh, it was dangerous to be sailing in this kind of weather. Um, it says, passing to the lee of the small island called Kota, we managed to secure the lifeboat. After hoisting it up, the crew used ropes to undergird the ship, and fearing that they would run aground on the sandbars of Sirtis, it says, um, uh, let's see. Um, they lowered their, the sea anchor and were driven along. And we were tossed so violently that the next day the men began to jettison the cargo. On the third day, they drew, they threw the ship's tackle overboard with their own hands. When neither the sun nor the stars appeared for many days, and the great storm continued to batter us, we abandoned all hope of being saved. And once again, it would appear, sure enough, that this was indeed, and in fact, a hurricane. A major one at that. And he talks about it was so vicious that you couldn't see the sun or the stars for many days. That's how vicious this particular storm was. It was a terrible storm. And after the men had gone a long time without food, Paul stood up among them and said, Men, you should have followed my advice not to sell to Crete. This would have averted this disaster and loss. But now I urge you to keep up your courage. Uh, <laughs> I've got to go back here. I had to... Sometimes... Um, we find that these smartphones um, <laughs> while I, I like the Bible apps that they come with and you have several to choose from sometimes they get a little bit finicky and hard to use. Amen. 
<laughs> he says, but now I urge you to keep up your courage because you will not experience any loss of life, but only of the ship. For just last night, the angel of God, whose I am and who I serve, stood beside me and said, Do not be afraid, Paul. You must stand before Caesar. And look, God has granted you the lives of all who sail with you. Take courage, men, for I believe that I believe God that it will just happen as he told me. However, we must run aground on some island. In other words, Paul says, I've got some good news here and some bad news. The bad news is we're probably going to lose the ship. The good news is there's going to be no loss of life. It says on the 14th night we were still being driven across the Adriatic Sea. That's on the 14th night. So, so far, Paul has been caught up in this storm for 14 days. That's two weeks. And I imagine this is two weeks that seem like an eternity. And I imagine it was two weeks that Paul never forgot. Amen. After midnight, the sailors sensed that they were approaching land. They took soundings and found that the water was 20 fathoms deep. Going a little further, they took another set of soundings that read 15 fathoms. Fearing that we would run aground on the rocks, they dropped four anchors from the stern and prayed for daybreak. Meanwhile, the sailors attempted to escape from the ship, pretending to lower anchors from the bow. They left the lifeboat, they let the lifeboat down to the sea. But Paul said to the centurion and to the soldiers, Unless these men remain with the ship, you cannot be saved. So the soldiers cut the ropes to the lifeboat and let it drift. Right up to daybreak, Paul kept urging them all to eat. Today is your fourteenth day in consistent suspense without taking any food. So your own so for your own preservation, I urge you to eat something because not a single hair of your head will be lost. Notice how cool, calm, and collected Paul seems to be in this time of calamity. And notice how kind, really, he's being to his captors. I mean, bearing in mind, Paul is a prisoner. I mean, if this were happening in our day, uh, Paul would be a state or federal prisoner being transported in chains to the city where he is going to stand trial. After he said this, Paul took bread and gave thanks to God in front of a ball. And then he broke it and began to eat. Now notice, Paul is wanting to make sure that God gets the glory for what's happening here. <laughs> he takes the food and he thanks God for the food, amen? He thanks God for the food. In fact, he can't thank God enough for the food. He's very thankful for it. It says here, they were all encouraged and took some food for themselves. He says, in all, there were 276 of us on board. After the men had eaten their fill, they lightened the ship by throwing grain into the sea. When daylight came, they did not recognize the land. 
but they sighted a bay with a sandy beach where they decided to run the ship aground if they could. Cutting the anchors, they left them in the sea as they loosened the ropes that held the rudders. Then they hoisted the foresail to the wind and made for the beach, but the vessel struck another sandbar and ran aground. The bow struck stuck so fast that it would not move, and the stern was being broken up by the pounding of the waves. The soldiers planned to kill the prisoners so none of them could swim to freedom, but the centurion wanting to spare Paul's life. Think about that. The centurion wanted to spare Paul's life. And Paul was a prisoner. And indeed, if any of the prisoners had escaped, you know, there would have been accountability and these guards could have been killed. But just as Paul had forecast, there's going to be no loss of life here. And it seems that Paul had won the respect of the centurion, wanting to spare Paul's life and thwarted their plan. He commanded those that could swim to jump overboard first and get to the land. And the rest were to follow on planks in various parts of the ship. And this way everyone was brought safely to land. Now, notice what happens here. Everything happens here exactly and precisely as Paul had predicted it would. He said, look, the bad news is the ship's going to be lost, and it was. But the good news is no loss of life. Nobody's going to escape. Nobody's going to get away. And so Paul is proving himself to be very loyal. I mean, think about it. If Paul had wanted to, probably he himself could have escaped. And said, bye, look what God has done. He's allowed me to get away. But no, Paul knew that he had an appointment with Caesar. And Paul was not afraid to ultimately make his case before Caesar. Paul was very much wanting to do that. So nobody escapes. None of the guards have anything to fear because, like I say, nobody escapes. And that brings us to Acts chapter number 28. Now, we might go ahead and start this chapter tonight, though I seriously doubt that we will finish it. And in fact, even if we could, I don't think that we would want to, because there are some things at the end of the chapter that I would like to probably devote a whole broadcast to, pretty much. But I don't mind at least starting Acts chapter 28. Once we were safely ashore, we learned that the island was called Malta. Now, you know, I guess if I were a professor at the college or seminary level, and I were to ask you what um, island did they get shipwrecked on, the answer to that question would be the island of Malta. The islander showed us extraordinary kindness 
they kindled a fire and welcomed us all, welcomed all of us because it was raining and cold. So it seems that even though the worst of this particular storm has passed, it's still rainy and it's still very cold. Not exactly even still the best of conditions. And they were being treated very kindly and they were welcomed with the kindling fire that I'm sure allowed them a good opportunity to warm up. And it says, Paul gathered a bundle of sticks as he laid them on the fire. A viper driven out by the heat fastened itself to his hand. And when the islanders saw the creature hanging from his hand, they said one to another, Surely this man is a murderer. Although he was saved from the sea, justice has not allowed him to live. But Paul took the creature off and into the fire and suffered no ill effects. The islanders were expecting him to swell up or to suddenly drop dead. But after waiting a long time, nothing unusual seemed to be happening to him. And so they changed their mind and said he was a god. Nearby stood an estate belonging to Publius, the chief official of the island. He welcomed us and entertained us hospitably for three days. The father of Publius was sick in bed, suffering from fever and dysentery. Paul went in to see him and after praying placed his hands on him and healed the man. After this had happened the rest of the sick on the island came and were cured as well. The islanders honored us in many ways and supplied our needs when we were ready to sail. Now we may go ahead and stop here for the evening, but we have an indication here that they stayed here on the island of Malta for about three months, which would have been the heart of the winter season. Like I say, this was a time of the year when you didn't want to be on the open sea. But notice that Paul has no problem continuing on exercising his gifts in the ministry and no doubt winning over many for Christ during this time period. Amen. Praise the Lord. Now like I say, I think we'll start with Acts chapter 28 verse number 11 in the very next um, broadcast. Like I say, um, I want to be very careful here and make sure that we don't go too fast through this last chapter. And so rather than try to hurriedly finish up chapter 28 and then say we finished the book, I would rather devote at least one more broadcast to it anyway 
and then be able to say that we covered the book more thoroughly. Now, one of the things you will notice, and I'll point this out again tomorrow, you'll notice that the book of Acts does not appear to have a typical ending. And part of the reason for that is that the history of the church is continuing. The history of the church is continuing. And it's continuing to this day. And it will keep on continuing until such time as the Lord Jesus Christ comes back in the next prophetic event, which will be the rapture of the church. That's going to be the next prophetic event that we come to. And so that's going to be very, very exciting. Now, um, once again, if you have any Bible study questions or prayer requests, I invite you to email me at warrenlandis at yahoo.com or warrenlandis at gmail.com. Now, um, I guess the next thing I want to do is to remind you to continue being in prayer for me. Um, I am going into what I feel like is a time of transition in my life. It's a time of transition because of the fact that um, my doctors have to make some decisions regarding my health and treatment that will affect me for some time to come. And I don't want to give away too much information too early here, but I do want you to pray for me that you will give doctors and other people in this area the wisdom that they need to make the proper decisions. And of course, to some degree, it affects my ability to do ministry, though I, I, don't, say, I don't think at this point there's any danger of me not being able to continue the Sunshine USA ministry. Um, some of the plans that I had for expansion may have to be put on hold um, because of mobility issues. But we'll just pray about this and see what the Lord has in store. I have this very strong desire within me that my life is not finished. There is still ministry for me to be doing. And obviously, until the day I move into my heavenly mansion, I want to continue doing whatever work it is that the Lord God has called on me to do. Amen? <laughs> Amen. Praise the Lord. Well, um, like I say, we're coming to the end of another broadcast. I hope that you have a good night tonight. Let's pray the Lord will give each of us a good night's rest. And tomorrow evening, as far as I know, we'll be back here in our Sunshine USA Bible Classroom. And we will continue our study of the Word of God. Let's go to God in a word of prayer right now. Dear Lord, I just want to pray that you will be with each and every listener that we have. Lord, I know that every listener has needs. Every listener has things that they need. And Lord, we know that you could supply anything and everything we need. 
Lord, we know that you not only created the heavens and the earth, but Lord, we know that you created everything in them. And so, Lord, that we know that no need that we have is too hard or too great for you to supply. And so, Lord, we just want to pray that you will be with us and help us with the needs that we have. Be with this ministry, Lord. I pray that you will continue to allow this ministry to operate. I pray, Lord, that in the future you will lead up uh, you you will encourage other people to help get involved in this ministry and keep it going for long after I'm no longer here. For it's all these things I pray in the name of Jesus. Amen.